Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 109. In today's episode, I interview creator of PaleoFX, Keith Norris. Be sure to stick around for the end of the show to hear our discussions on giving up a car, what plant medicines have taught Keith, and who would be in his personal mastermind. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the land today, I have Keith Norris. Keith, first question I ask everybody who comes on the show is, share us uh, about your health journey up to this point. Yeah, so, uh, you know, lifelong athlete. Um, I, uh, I started off as a, as a young track and field athlete. When I mean young, I was really, really young. This was uh, 10, 11 years old. Um, a long story how I got into that, but anyway, let's just say I got into AAU track and field, um, ran track and field for a number of years as a, as a sprinter, um, got to about 14, 15 years old and, you know, was doing pretty well, but, uh, started to, you know, mature fully at that time and was maturing into anything other than a sprinter. So, um, Started getting uh, walked down in the last, uh, you know, 30, 20, 30 meters and, you know, was training hard, had very, very good coaching. And uh, coach at that time pulled me aside and said, you know, he was he was very intuitive for that time period. And this time period is uh, late 70s, um, very intuitive at that time. And he said, you know, I can look at how your body structure is and how you're filling out and uh essentially he told me you're never going to be a sprinter that's just bottom line you might always be quick but you're never going to be a sprinter not in this not in this atmosphere and uh he said i suggest you start you know maneuvering into other other sports and uh being from south texas where you know football is next to god and cleanliness i dove headlong into Dove headlong into football and had a fantastic football career. Uh, played all the way up through college. Went to school at uh, at Texas State, um, just a few miles from where I live now. In fact, um, had a great career. Um, did suffer a devastating knee injury that kind of put me out of the whole mix. So uh, 
went from that and went into the military. And the whole time I, I kept training. Um, I found a way to keep training, which is uh, parlayed into what I do now, because what I do now, a large part of what I do now is help people who think that they don't have the time to train to actually train. And I think that I you know, unwittingly at that time put together a, a program or a loose program. I didn't think of it that way, but that's essentially what I was doing was at each, at, at each of these forks in my life, I figured out a way to get the training done. And, uh, and, and that's a big obstacle for a lot of people. So a lot of people might start a training program, but once their life situation changes in some form or fashion, like myself, I just went through a major move. Uh, we've just talked to it. In fact, <laughs> in fact, we had a uh, miscommunication faux pas totally on my part because I was in the middle of this move. But I have found a way since this move to, now my training doesn't look the same as what it did a month ago just because I'm in a different circumstance and, you know, things are totally different. So I had to change my, my training up. Um, but I think that's a roadblock that a lot of people hit and they can't ever overcome it. So well, what do you see or advice that you give to people? Like when they're saying, Hey, you know what? I'm just too busy. I mean, X, Y, Z reasons are always coming yeah. up, but what are the things that either you tell people like to start with, like, what are some basics that they can take home to be like, all right, I really can find some time in my day, in my week to make sure that this gets done. Yeah, and it really, uh, and not to drop a total plug here, but this is why we created Efficient Exercise, my partner and I, Mark Alexander. It was, we cater to entrepreneurs, doctors, attorneys, those type of people who will tell you just one after another, that sounds great, but I don't have time to train. I just don't have time to do it. So we put together programs for them. But the first thing I think you have to meet the person where they're at. I mean, are you are you already fairly fit? Are you into weight training at all? Um, or, or do we have to look at some other avenue for you to train in? And um, on the psychological side of it and the practical side of it, you can ask people, well, what do you do on your time off, the time off that you do have? And ever, everybody, I always, I always ask the five questions, right, the five whys. So the first why you get is never the real answer. You don't ever get to the real answer until you get about three deep. And, ah, okay, now we've got something going here. You know, you you like to watch uh, you like to watch Netflix, and, you know, you get stuck into every time you get home, you get stuck into whatever series it is, and you go four episodes deep, and bam, there's two hours gone, right? Do we need to rearrange that? Now, I'm, I'm not the one to put a value judgment on that. If that is what you like to do and what you want to do, that's totally cool, but you can't then have the same goal of wanting to get fit, right? So, they, so you're at uh, juggernauts here. So, um, yeah, so everybody, if you dig into it, if number one, if they do want to be fit and you start digging into their lifestyle, you can find these niches of time that then the question is, okay, there's that niche of time we've identified. Now are you willing to give it up? Because now we can start to create a training program, but number one, you've got to give me the time. And the, and the way we're going to find that time is we're going to find this, we'll call it useless stuff. That's my determination. It might not be yours, but that's my determination, this useless time block. And now we can shift that time block. And it doesn't mean every day. It doesn't mean you have to give up Netflix, your, you know, your episode uh <laughs> your whole episode binge. You don't have to totally give that up, but maybe you got to give it up a few times a week. Are you willing to do that? And then you have that question. Yes, I am willing to do that. All right, now we're off and running. If you're not willing to do it, well, I 
<laughs> I, I can't really help you. you and that's to. exactly it. Yeah. Like you said, the whys, but it's, are you willing? Like, but you have to find, and, and, and I think one of the things you were saying in there, like, okay, you have the, like the efficient exercise for some people and that might work for some people, but that's why you ask them like what they like to do because people, I think, overlook the value of, they can turn a lot of things into at least some sort of movement and they just kind of blow that away. Like, uh, I think I was looking like one of the things, didn't you recently give up like, or you started riding your bike everywhere or start doing that a lot? Yeah. So I, so it, and it was, it was kind of on a, on a joke or, uh, you know, just, you know, you know how guys get together and like, Hey man, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> I had gotten to this point where, I had a I had a vehicle. I rarely used it, but when I needed it, I needed it. Inevitably, whenever I needed it, something was up. The registration was out. You know, something was, and I was, and now I'm a. I have this task I need to complete, and b. Now I have something else on my mind. I got to go to the DMV. I got to go get an inspection. I have to go get the oil change. I have to yeah, da, 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 da. It just went on and on and on, and I eventually just made a value judgment. Do I, is this aggravation worth having a vehicle? And at that time it was, no, it's, it's not. So why do I have this vehicle? So anyway, got rid of the vehicle and it was, you know, you guys are like, yeah, this is going to last about a week and you're going to wish you had that back, which I'm a competitive person that just fueled me even more. Right. So I was like, uh, no, I'm, I'm going to figure out a way to make this work without a vehicle. And I have since last, uh, September, which at that time I lived in pretty, pretty much central Austin, right? So it's not a big leap to get away without a car. I mean, Austin's a bike friendly city. I love biking anyway. Um, so it wasn't a stretch, much of a stretch between, between my biking, uh, a, a car to go system that we have here, which is essentially, uh, outsourced vehicles, rental vehicles or, um, Uber or something like that. So I figured, or the, the bus system. So I figured between all of those, you know, I, my meetings and such, I, I can do this. I don't have to be, you know, the sharp dressed man whenever I show up to a meeting. That's one of the pluses of being in the fitness industry. So me showing up, you know, sweaty and breathing hard is like, oh, okay, he's a fitness guy. I get it. So I had all of those advantages on my side. Totally get it. Um, but we recently moved south of town, and now I find myself – Eight miles from the Paleo FX offices, which I have to go into quite a bit. So eight miles from that, ten miles from the nearest iron, right? So the nearest weightlifting facility, which I did. It's they're my facilities, but I'm ten miles from the nearest one. That sets up an interesting dilemma. Okay, now my now my training up until that point was totally focused on on weight training, with a little bit of biking on the side. Now that's totally flip flopped. Now most of my training is spent in the saddle. Um, I'm clocking, you know, 20 miles plus a day on a fixed speed because that was another thing I was not willing to give up. So I ride a fixed speed bike, which uh, just kind of amplifies the the uh, output or just amplifies the you know the amount of energy needed to to crank the pedals um, and to stop. Um, so now my training is is totally flip flopped, right? Yeah. And I'm so, so I myself am, am now put into that position. Do okay? Do I continue training, or I, do I just let this go? Well, I've, I've been through this countless numbers of times in my life, where this, you know, a life event like this has happened, and I've had to figure out a way to to incorporate a new. It's not my old training program, 
but it's going to be a training program and it's going to it's going to fit my needs and I'll figure out a way to do it. I'm still I'm still finding that out right now because I'm only 2 weeks into it, but I will eventually figure it out. So what have you noticed even I mean just for yourself so far like how do you feel like just kind of anything that's uh, changed even just like sleep patterns anything like that just from like you said basically flip-flopping how you had been training. Okay, so my appetite is through the freaking roof. That, that's number one, right? Which, which you would expect. I mean, it's just right. a lot more, a, a lot more work on the endurance side of it versus the repeat uh, power. But it's just output. a constant movement. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be completely movement. different. Yeah. Now the the difference is the the type of riding I do is I even though I'm south of town, I'm still in the metro area, so it's still city riding. That means traffic light burst, next traffic light stop. Uh, you know, stop sign, in, 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 and I force myself to sprint to each of those stops. So, a little so more there interval is interval training, of, even. Yeah, so it's still more interval training. It's just much more prolonged. So, an average <laughs> saddle time for me is is half an hour ride of that start stop, start stop, start stop, mm-hmm. um, and that just accumulates. And the other thing is, it's multiple times during the day. So. Yesterday was maybe I, I think if I looked at my Strava output, it was uh, it was a little over an hour total saddle time, and that was spread between four different four different bursts right. throughout the day. So that's different. You know, my lower body training is going to radically change because my legs right now are smoked. I mean, I just <laughs> haven't. My body hasn't hasn't become accustomed yet to all that lower body volume. It will. I mean, I've been I've been Absolutely, here before. Yeah. I've done this before, and it will. Um, but right now, my uh, you know my lower body weight training is pretty nil. Um, and when I do go back to lower body training, I generally concentrate on the uh, on the posterior uh, posterior chain anyway. But that's even going to be more so emphasized now because of all the quad dominance in in biking. So yeah, it's just little tweaks like that, and they're fun. I mean, it. I look at it. One way is I'm I'm sad for having left my former routine because I love that routine, but in the other way I look at it and I'm like I'm stoked and I'm happy because a that routine is going to change it's going to pull me out of whatever rut I may have been in, and I don't know you know what to expect it's kind of cool, um, you know who knows what I'm going to fall into today there's a um, near our offices I noticed as I was riding by that there's a that there's a Thai kickboxing place right by our offices and I thought wow it, during that time when I was a kid that I was running AA track AAU track and field I was always I was into Thai kickboxing at that time too and I thought huh I wonder if this needs to you know maybe this is a sign that this is coming back into my life now at 52 I don't know need you know maybe I don't need to start kickboxing again I'm probably lucky that I had, still have my wits about me after all the <laughs> of playing football I don't know if I need to if I need to push that luck, but uh, anyway, yeah, it's just things like that. Actually, that just made me think. I was going to go somewhere else, but when you said like what's about you playing football, is there anything that you do for yourself now to, uh, I guess, for brain health specifically, especially just no. from any of the trauma that you have sustained? Because I think this is obviously becoming more and more prevalent. I mean, the movie Concussion recently came out like oh, within the yeah. last year or two. Uh, yeah, so if you wouldn't it. mind dig- digging into that a little. Yeah, totally. Uh, and in fact, you brought up that movie Concussion. That was very, very disturbing when I when I saw that. Um, it, it was a tough movie to watch. And in fact, I didn't watch it for a long period of time because because obviously I knew what the subject matter was. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, so you know, 
I do take elevated uh, levels of fish oil. It's, I think that's one of the best things that somebody who is who has been in that predicament, and it doesn't have to be football. It can be any kind of brain trauma, even one. Absolutely, one yeah. Concussion, right? Um, and I know that I had some definite da- – I mean, it, it, I tell everybody this story. I played free safety at, at college. and I, I, <laughs> A lot of long hits there, yeah. And, and this was back during the day when option football was, was the you – know, I'm dating myself seriously. But it was mostly a defense built to stop the option on yeah. the offense, which meant the strong safety was delivering lots of hits. Yeah. But during that time, I also called the signals in the secondary – and, and our defense, and every defense has this, even to this day, there is a fail-safe defense that is called whenever the signal caller has gone somewhere else. And there was a <laughs> number of times I remember, A, looking at the wrong sideline, or B, looking at our sideline and going, what? Where am I? And just that whole, just like, I yeah, I remember I'm in a game, and you're just to- and you're trying to get – and so there's a fail-safe defense it's called when no one else can can call it. So yeah, I know I had some serious some ser- I took some serious hits and everybody did. I wasn't alone. So the one thing is that uh, I keep in touch with a lot of guys that I played with and we, you know, bounce things like, you know, am I losing it? Am I losing every, every time I leave my car keys somewhere and I can't find them I'm like, "Oh shit, here it is. Here it's, it's coming on." But yeah, I do, you know, I eat a a very clean diet now. Um, I am we can probably get into this later, but I'm the paleo FX guy. Um, so, you know, I eat a very clean paleo diet. I try to do everything possible to minimize my inflammation. And one of those big things is I take pretty high doses of fish oil every day. So that's one thing I can do. I also have friends who, um, who are in the uh, post-concussion treatment arena that uh, – that I work with and I don't work with them a lot because I, you know, I don't show any of those. I, I don't show any of the, the signs of dementia. So I'm, I feel, I feel good about that right now. Um, but yeah, I do keep an, I do keep an eye on it. All right. So one of the things, like you said, clean diet, paleo FX, and I want to dive into that, but I just, I'm curious, what does paleo diet mean to you? Yeah. So essentially it's a low inflammatory diet. So we're pulling out all of those foods that may potentially be causes of inflammation in individuals uh, like gluten, for instance, gluten's on everybody's list right now. Um, But gluten is highly inflammatory to a small percentage of people, but it is at least somewhat inflammatory in everybody. Right. Um, And I think I'm one of those people who is in the somewhat inflammatory Side of things, and I think it's I also important to note it's not just like joint pain, anything like that. Like you just said, like the inflammation of the brain is still yes. a massive part of this too. It's huge, yeah. And in fact, uh, many people can have uh, inflammation of the brain and have no other symptoms. I mean, be totally fine, have no joint pain, have no you know any other symptoms. But it it just their physiology and their their genotype it's it it affects the brain more so than anything else. So. So there's that part of it. Um, so I, I completely cut out gluten, uh, not 100% of the time, but you know, a vast majority of the time. My wife on the other side is one of those people who is highly reactive to gluten. Um, she can have a little bit of gluten and she'll feel it in her joints. Um, in fact, before we, you know, 10 years ago, before we 
came onto this path. She had symptoms of fibromyalgia. I mean, just a whole uh, migraines, uh, a whole host of health problems, um, largely resultant from gluten intake. Whereas 10 years ago, I could eat all the gluten I wanted and I didn't feel anything. I know now I was somewhat inflamed because once I cut gluten out, A, my blood pressure that at that time was somewhat elevated came right back down into to the normal zone and I lost a ton of water weight. I mean, those were the two things that I, that I noticed from just, just pulling out gluten. So that's how it affected my physiology. It affected my physiology such that it, it caused a slightly raised um, blood pressure. To the extent to where doctors were like, you know, I cut out coffee, I cut out salt. I did all of these things that mainstream, you know, medical would yeah. tell you to do to lower your blood pressure, and it nothing changed. Nothing changed. It wasn't until I went, huh, I wonder if there's anything to this paleo diet gluten thing. And so I just, <laughs> you know, I try stuff, so I tried it. And, you know, three weeks later, I go in and have my blood pressure checked, and it's normalized. And, oh, by the way, I've lost like eight pounds in water weight. So I was like, maybe there is something to this paleo diet thing. So that's, that's what kind of sent me down that, that whole path. Now, let's get into then even like just the paleo effects standpoint. I mean, it's coming up uh, not too long from now, but you want to just share with people if, they, if they're not familiar with it, kind of what, what, what was the starting point of it and where is it even built up to now? Yes. Yeah, so, wow, it's been a long story, man. It, uh, so uh, my wife, Michelle, my wife, uh, Michelle, and I went out to the uh, inaugural Ancestral Health Society um, symposium that that year was in uh, it was in Los Angeles. It was at UCLA. Very cool conference. Uh, loved it. Uh, and, and in fact, this was the first event to where people in this in this paleosphere that was just now starting to come up had ever met anybody else in person. I mean, this was all an online phenomena. So so that was cool. We got to meet all these people in person. You know, shake hands. But it was a very very academic symposium and it was meant to be and they they still are to this day very academic and we need that part i mean we need academic legitimacy to keep the paleo thing alive but because it was very academic not too many people could access access that information so michelle and i went there long story short we loved it got a lot out of it um but we were actually sitting on the plane at LAX getting ready to fly back to Austin and just kind of debriefing for the whole thing. And we were talking back and forth. We we're like, yeah, that was fantastic information. But uh, at that time, I was training every day. And she had some clients as well, more on the, uh, uh, the chef foodie side of things. And I was saying, you know what? At the end of the day, though, my clients just want to know how to move, what to eat, you know, all these very basic questions, you know, the the academic side of it, they really could care less. They just want to know what just works. What works, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and make it very bullet pointed what works. And and so we thought, well, what if we're very entrepreneurial minded. So we thought, well, what if we did a you know, a similar type of conference, but we made it very much rubber meets the road. So we bring in people who are able to translate science ease into normal people speak. And, you know, give them takeaways. What would that look like? That'd be pretty cool. Now more people would be able to access this information. It may be somewhat watered down from an academic standpoint, but it will be very, very usable on the practical side. 
And uh, yeah, we were crazy enough to actually follow through on that idea. And so, so six years later, Paleo FX is what it is now, which is 6,000 people, 150 uh, vendors. Um, it's just, it, it's an amazing event. It, it's just, and it's more than just diet, which I think people, people hear paleo and they're like, oh, that's a diet conference and it's anything but a diet conference. You know, the, the people in this community came in with a questioning mindset. Uh, they came in with a, uh, an ability to, to uh, think critically and ask the right questions and not be afraid to ask these questions of quote-unquote authority. Um, so, you know, a doctor could say, well, I want you to do this. And, okay, well, why, why should I do that? Well, I've been, you know, I went to 15 years of school and I've done this, that, and the other. And they're like, no, show me results. Show me results. And that these people are all about results. So it's not just diet. Diet was a low-hanging fruit. That was the easiest thing to go after. But now it is now this whole mindset is spread into um, lifestyle, economy, uh, relationships, all of these other areas. So now it's a it's a if you go to Paleo FX, you'll see panels on shamanism. You'll see panels on we, we have this panel we call the system is a lie. And that's all about the economy and how, you know, your place in the economy. And are you really secure in this economy or is that just a whole whitewash? Right. You know, all of these type of, of ideas are what paleo FX is about. Is there diet talks here? Absolutely. There's diet talks, but there's a lot more than that at paleo FX. So is there anything uh, on the horizon this year that you're like, OK, this is like or any unveilings or anything that you can talk about where it's like, hey, I'm just really pumped, really excited for something going forward? Yeah. So, well, you know, I can't right now. I have my blinders on for paleo FX, the paleo right. FX. But. Um, we do have, and we have started to move into more, more of the entrepreneurial sphere as well. And the idea being that the more entrepreneurs that we can create or that we can help who are in the health and wellness sphere, who, uh, who have this like soul centered, uh, need to create something that's not just, uh, not just a profit, uh, driven product. In other words, the, the people that we serve aren't uh, aren't creating the next Whamadine coffee mug. Totally cool for people who do that, but these are people who want to create something that changes the world, right? And that takes a different type of entrepreneur, and it takes a, a little bit different mindset, and it takes a little bit different drive, and um, you you just have to come at it from a little slightly different angle, but it's doable. Um, and so we have Health Entrepreneurs FX. It will take place the Thursday prior to Paleo FX, which is very, very successful. We rolled it out last year. It was very successful. We rolled it out late this year just because we were behind the power curve with the larger event. But we got pinged so much about, hey, you guys doing Health Entrepreneurs FX this year? We're like, okay, we better roll up our sleeves and get this one going. So uh, we have that going on that this year, and we will probably turn this into a multiple-city event um as we go forward after paleo fx so um i think we'll have that in place i think there's a calling for it there is definitely a need for it um and we're so there we're stoked about that that's probably the the big thing that i'm stoked about right now is being able to roll that out into more cities and that's exciting news then too because again not everybody can always make it to austin for those few yeah. days but they might be able to hey drive two hours like to a bigger city near them yeah. which is 
always going to be huge. Really exactly. just trying to help grow the entire movement overall. And when you're reaching out to entrepreneurs, that's a great way to grow the movement right. too. However, everybody should come to Austin at least yes. once in their life. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a cool place. I'm, a, I'm a slightly biased, but it is a very, very cool place. Uh, I've been to Austin. It was about a year and a half ago. I was there. I didn't get to go for Paleo FX. I was there for another conference and just an awesome city. And then once I got back, I, was, I said to my wife, I was like, all right, we got to get down there for that specifically, just be, like to get to Paleo FX because of just how cool the city was overall then too. Yeah. Like, it was just an awesome place to get to. Totally. Just just don't come in August or September. It's a little <laughs> warm then? Exposure. It's a little warm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> a little <laughs> <laughs> Unless, hey, you want to get it get it get warmed up? Uh, depends. See it at its worst, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so one of the things that you talked on there, like panels on shamanism then too. because uh, I know you said you've like done plant medicines and everything, right? Because sure. uh, this is one thing I have like uh, one of my first uh, plant medicine uh, experiences coming up in about a month from now like what are some of the biggest questions because you were talking about the questioning of a lot of the, the mindset of a lot of the people yeah. in paleo like what have been some of maybe the biggest questions that you've had answered uh from any of the plant medicines uh as far as either like paleo effects or just really what you see going forward for the future and health of uh everybody really yeah wow that's 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 a massive question <laughs> to take multiple podcasts in itself and you'll You'll find out what I'm talking about whenever you go through your first experience. (laughs) I have a feeling I I, I can understand that. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I think as it relates to to what I do as an entrepreneur, my big question was: Am I serving humanity? Am I doing what I was what I was sent here to do? Am I fulfilling that to the to the best of my ability? That that's always been my big question and I went into uh, I went into a ceremony with that specific intention I want I would like to be shown that I'm on the right path that I'm serving humanity you know with the gifts that I came into this world with which I, I have to say are limited <laughs> there, you know we can get into that am, am I leveraging those gifts to the best of my ability and if not what do I need to do to change it, because I'm willing to do it I mean, I'm opening myself up. I am willing to do it. I feel like I, this is what I was sent here to do. So, you know, and I went in with the intent. Yeah, not that that I'm looking for a handout. I'm willing to do the work. Just let me know if I'm doing, if I'm on the right path. And I was, I was shown that, yes, you are on the right path. You're doing what you're supposed to do. It's not going to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. You're going to have times where you feel like you're totally lost, where you're totally not doing the right thing, where you're totally up against the all of these things are meant only to make you stronger and to give you more drive and to figure out your true path. But yes, you're, you're on the right, you're doing the right thing. You know, you're, you're navigating towards the right North star. So that, that was very illuminating and it made me feel like it gave me a certain confidence, not a hubris, but a confidence to go, yep, I'm doing the right thing. And today may have been a sucky day. I may, I may have taken three steps backwards in accomplishing that task, but I'm still heading in the right direction. And I needed that at that time. And they, you know, the, the uh, shaman will tell you that the whatever plant medicine you're working with, in this case ayahuasca, um, it will give you what you need when you need it. And I absolutely needed it at that time. So, you know, now I am. Well, I've kind of lost count. I'm, uh, I, w- I would think pretty near 50 ceremonies by this time. 
Um, so I've got a lot of experience with this uh, particular plant medicine under my belt. But even that said, every time I go into a ceremony, there's still those pregame jitters. There is still so much to be learned after every ceremony, I think. That's got to be the ultimate. I, there's, no more, there's nothing left to learn. I can't get any more out of this. And then I'll get called into another ceremony and I'll go and it, it just, I'm just like, wow, okay. What I knew before was a smidge and now I know a little, you know, and it's just amazing. It's eye opening. I just, uh, I can't recommend it enough. In fact, I am uh, working with a uh, shaman here in Austin and we're putting together a soulpreneur FX. So these are for people who have experience with plant medicine who are also entrepreneurs because what I found is it's tough to integrate those two right? And then become separated. So the entrepreneurs that I know who have gone through plant medicine experiences, they have a hard time relating that back to their entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, and if, you know, again, one of the very few gifts, I, it seems to be that I am able to, to navigate, to uh, bridge those two pretty well. Um, and it just by happenstance, I've been able to to talk with people and counsel people who are both entrepreneurs and who have done this experience and to help them get the most out of it. And I seem to have an intuitive feel for merging these two. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if, you know, people get value out of it. If they do fantastic. If, you know, if not, then we go on and do something else. But I think, uh, I think entrepreneurs will get a ton of value out of it. Like I did. One of the things you're talking about here, like you said, what you say the few gifts, the few strengths, and I'm sure it's not that. I, I, the way that I understand that type of thing is you've actually just found what your absolute best strengths are, your absolute best yeah. gifts. Like, yeah. Do you have, was that something like you said, the intuition, is that more been an intuitive thing for you? Has this been on some of your uh plant medicine journeys has this just been something you've been able to figure out for yourself and how do you recommend people go about that because that can oftentimes be a struggle like are there simple ways that they can or at least start steps that they can start that uh, process with yeah so uh, going back to the plant medicine side of things um, the shaman will tell you and I and I as a layperson I would tell anybody going into a ceremony ceremony is that uh, nothing is fixed in an ayahuasca ceremony so it's not like you go in, uh, it's not like you're taking your car in for a brake job and when you pull it out, hey, everything's cool. It's totally not that way. If anything, when you come out of a ceremony, you're left with more questions than what you went in with. The key to it is the integration after the ceremony, right? Because you're, in many cases, many people report, and I can too, that you're just hit with this overwhelming amount of information that may or may not make sense to you in that moment. Um, so I've had... I've had experiences where I've had total clarity. I totally understand everything, and I'm just like, but as I start to come out of that uh, out of that haze and back into this realm, I know it sounds very, very woo. <laughs> come out of that haze and back into this realm, and I have to then verbalize that. I, it's it, it starts to become very flat, right? All that knowledge that I had is it's in there, but it's hard for me to to vocalize it even to my own mind, even, even to my own mind. So the integration process is ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. I do integration every day. And for me, what integration is, it's writing. I, I write every day, first thing in the morning. Some of that stuff never sees the light of day. 
right? It's just me writing. And that helps me think about these things that I saw in ceremony and, and it starts to connect dots. So if you do multiple ceremonies, you'll find out that, you know, the ceremony you did two years ago that where you were like, what was that? <laughs> and I have had those where I was like, I have no clue what that was. I had none. Two years later, I'm like, oh, I, I get it. I see what that, okay, I get it. But that was only through the integration process that I did that it finally came to light. Had I not done the integration, that whatever it was would have just kind of been lost like a, like a vivid dream maybe lost to you after a couple of weeks and you've totally forgotten about it. Totally forgot where the direction of this question was going. But integration is, oh, oh about strengths. And Okay. So, yes, um, I have identified those strengths that in me are the most powerful strengths. So, for instance, in the entrepreneurial side of things, I, I am not the money guy. I am not the COO. I'm not even the CEO because I found that day-to-day -day operations like that, although I get, get it, they are totally necessary. Any entrepreneur, any business person gets it. Those job positions are totally necessary, but they're not me. And going into entrepreneurship, I thought that an entrepreneur had to have those skills, had to be that person, had to have a tight understanding of money. And I'm not saying I'm money ignorant, but I am not the guy that knows all the ways in and out of that nor does it interest me necessarily. Um, so it's hard to be totally good at something if it really doesn't interest you, right? So I had this big kind of void period in my life where I was like, you know, I, I'm an, I am an entrepreneur. I make money on my own. I am nobody, you know, I am my own boss. How, how can this be? I'm not a CEO. I'm not a COO. I'm not a financial person. But I've somehow figured out a way to make this work and I can probably make it work a lot better if I figure out what that something is. So I'm doing something right that doesn't have anything to do with being a CEO or an operations guy or a money guy. And I, you know, I started piecing this together. One of the things was, was I was very able to admit my weaknesses. I'm not the money guy, so I find the best money guy and most reliable money guy I can. I'm not the operations person, so I have to surround myself with people who are crack operations people. I'm not even the CEO. I am not the captain of the ship. I, that's just not my thing because I totally lose focus day to day. And so I thought, well, what am I? What is it that I'm doing? And what I've come to determine is I'm more like a navigator than anything else. I can tell the captain where the ship needs to go. I can tell the captain where I think we need to you know, change course, move the ship, do all of this, because I, if I have a gift, it's the greater vision. And I have to surround myself with people who can then execute that greater vision. So that's probably, and I found this again through A, plant medicine, and B, just the constant integration of the information I was given. Um, so for me, that's, that's how it works. So yeah, I will, I will never be the CEO. I'm not that person. I have to have a great CEO. And fortunately, I am married to a person whose natural skill is that. Her natural skill is in directing and being a CEO type person, which is, which is liberating. And I've also partnered myself with one of the best financial people that I could ever imagine. Um, just totally reliable, totally on the up and up. I'm honest and 
and has a knack for and a love for keeping his eye on the numbers and doing that. And I, and I get it. I totally respect it. And it is so vitally important and yet I cannot do it. So, and you know, I'm, and, and then too, I'm not a bad networker either for, <laughs> for whatever. Um, if you look at the, at the, uh, Myers Brig, I'm a campaigner, right? And so that's, uh, if you ever, you know, if you know anything about Myers Brig, uh, yeah, the campaigner is just kind of the, likes to rub elbows, uh, is very transparent, just, you know, makes connections, connects the dots. Oh, you should know this person and you should do, you know, and that, so I found a way to leverage those few skills into a, into a decent lifestyle. <laughs> and it just sounds like you're having fun doing it recognizing all those yeah. things. And that's the beauty of it too. It is. Yeah, it is fun. It is fun. It's, uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's not without challenge because, because being an entrepreneur is a challenge certainly is, but it is a rewarding challenge at the end of the day because you know, you've got no backstop. You're it. And when you start having employees, then you feel the pressure of, I ha we have got to succeed because I have people relying on me, right? And people relying on our organization. So we have to succeed. And so that there is a little bit of kick in the pants there too. If you ever, you know, feel like you want to check out and go to the coconut farm, which I always joke about, well, you, you can't do that. You've got you have people relying on you. So Keith, I'm curious, like taking this back to even some of the brain health then too, like with the plant medicines, I mean, I don't know. Have you asked any questions about that? Have you received any answers as far as like, almost like how to best, uh, how, how do, how are the plant medicines even helping your brain, helping your mind, like with clarity, with overall health? I mean, is that any of that come up at all? Yes. And I think the most benefit that I've gotten, gotten from plant medicine in that realm is the ability to the the ability to relax and trust that everything is as it should be right and so so when i look at when i look at brain health and when you look at people who are trying to optimize brain health and i'm not saying this is wrong or it's uh you know wrong minded or a bad tack or anything but it it seems like striving too hard in the face of not backing off and just relaxing and letting letting whatever be Right. So it's, it's almost like a very ego driven attempt to achieve more. And again, I'm not saying that's bad and I'm not saying that that doesn't work for some people, but it doesn't work for me. Um, and so that was one of the things. And in fact, it was a very, very tough thing was because I, you know, raised in this culture and having been in competitive athletics, especially football, and then rolling from that right into the military, it was all very ego driven, very, very charge ahead, very much that, uh, if you want to make things happen, it's on you. You got to make it happen. All of these, all of these things. Um, and I, ayahuasca showed me that, uh, uh, not so much, bro, not so much. Your, your ego is way overinflated and your best path, what you need to do is back off and take things as they come, right? Instead of trying to make things happen which at, at the time I went through that, I was like, uh, we've had a good relationship up until now. And now I think it's no, you know, I'm going to buck on that one. There's no way that. And I went through a number of very, very tough ceremonies after that. But yeah, I, I you know, it's finally shown, Hey, you, know, you just, if, if there's such a thing as trying too hard, that's what you're doing, man. You're just hitting a brick wall. 
And, and why is that? It's because you don't trust that the universe is going to provide for you what you need. And if you'll just back off, it will. If you will use your skills, if you will let life come at you and use your skills to the best of your ability, you are going to succeed and you are going to be fine. But if you try to do it the other way, you're going to have a tough road to hoe. So I know that's kind of a, a, a backdoor way around that um, on the nootropic side. So personally, do I use any nootropics? And I really don't. Uh, you know, I, not consistently. Um, caffeine, I mean, I love my daily coffee. If we want to call that a nootropic, then it is. Um, but anything else on a consistent basis, I really don't because I've kind of found this good groove now. I don't feel that I really need it unless we want to consider, you know, plant medicines, uh, a nootropic. And I, yeah, I would consider that too. I would consider it a lot more than that, but you know, it could probably be still falls into that category still too. Kind of yeah. falls into that category. Yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, and that's worked fabulous for me so far and it's a lot less uh stressful you know <laughs> I, I think that's that's one thing is i've allowed myself not to be stressed out so much about things that i can't change right and that whole you know worrying about something you can't change and i'm not saying don't be prepared because there's a big difference right i always you know the the whole the whole Mike Tyson quote about, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's, <laughs> that's very, very true. So yeah. you need to know that going into anything. And I'm not saying, you know, just go into something willy nilly and not be prepared, but to worry about what happened in the past, that serves nobody in, I mean, there's no reason. There's no reason for that or to worry about something that's upcoming. If you've, if you've done your homework and you've planned, it's going to be what it's going to be. If we unless need to you figure quit. out time travel and then, I mean, unless, yeah, unless you figure that out. <laughs> um, so it's very much a, uh, um, uh, just a surfing life. I kind of envision it, right. I'm just catching the wave. I'm surfing it. Um, am I, am I going to have to bail a couple times and course correct? You bet. I'm going to have to bail and course correct. Um, but I don't have to fight the wave either. Um, you know, I've just got to flow with it. So being a, a networker is part of that. Uh, who would be in your personal mastermind, like five people dead or alive that you would just want to be able to, hey, dial up right away. Any questions you want to answer from them, they're going to be able to help you out. You know, the biggest, and, and just because I've been studying him uh, here as of late, um, aside from the spiritual leaders, right, I think everybody would pretty much, I mean, if I could sit down with a Buddha for a while or or Jesus for a while, just to ask, you know, just some, some questions. I think those are, yeah, those are, you know, tops of the list. But if we're talking uh, mortal beings, uh, Tesla, I think I would love to sit down and just ask that guy, wow, how did, how did, how did your mind come up with that stuff? And how was it that you were able to to still have faith, still produce and still work in the face of all the obstacles that he had to face? And with, with so little payback in his lifetime, I mean, he died penniless and with zero fame, nothing. Yeah. And Edison pretty much took all of it from Edison him. Edison took yeah. everything. Yeah. Which is another thing. I'd like to sit down with Edison and go, dude, you were a freaking prick. I, I mean, <laughs> how could you treat that guy that way? Um, but yeah, so I would love to sit down with him because he he had to overcome so much and he was still so highly productive during that time. And with, you know, 
it would be very, very easy to say, yeah, I'm going to be very productive because in a hundred years people are going to look. He had no idea. I mean, he had absolutely zero idea that what he was actually producing was going to be of any benefit. But or, he might or have also known. For somebody like that, he might have also known that. Like he so might have. Yeah, that's have part of it too. Yeah, totally. He may have intuitively known that. Yeah, God, there's so many, man. There is just so, so you've many. You've been people. studying Tesla recently then? Yeah, yeah. I've been any books, some. anything that you recommend for people to check out? Yeah, there's there's a semi autobiographical work that he did, and I think it's just called Tesla. I'd have to look in my mini yeah, boxes yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one thing I'm bummed out about because he got shoved in a box somewhere and I haven't been able to locate it yet. But yeah, I think it's it's just one of his semi autobiographical works. Um, yeah, I mean, just I mean, there's people in in kind of all realms. But here's here's one thing though too. I think when when people study somebody, whoever whoever that person is, who they identify with, whether it's a Tony Robbins type person, who who I think is fantastic, right? And I always say, you know, people look at me kind of weird, like Tony Robbins, man. He's kind of I don't know. He's got that whole kind of guru thing going on or whatever. But you know, it's. I, I take the Bruce Lee approach, who is someone else I would love to sit down with. It's Bruce Lee. Um, I take the Bruce Lee approach that everybody has something to offer, right? And it's on me to be able to draw that out and keep it. And two, everybody is going to rub me the wrong way or, or their actions or, their, or what they've done or something's going to rub me the wrong way. So it's on me to be able to take what is good and discard what is not useful, right? And I think that's a problem that a lot of people have is someone, let's take Edison, for example. I think we both have that uh, factor about Edison, but he did a lot of good. There was a lot of stuff he did was good. Now, if I throw out the Edison just, you know, wholeheartedly because of how he treated Tesla and a lot of other people in the business sense, that's not smart either, right? There's a lot of things I can pick out what Edison did. Now, I may do it a totally different way, a more humanitarian way, a more giving way, and, and so that's totally on me. That's not on Edison. That's on me. If I don't pick up those little bits that he did that were good and don't keep those and utilize those, that's totally on me. And I've missed out. Um, and I can think of everybody from Tony Robbins to some of the crazy Austinites that I ride the bus with. <laughs> I mean, they all have something to offer, right? And they all have something that I'm like, okay, that's enough. Thank you. Uh, I don't necessarily need that. But uh, yeah, so so I would recommend that to everybody and, and even more so in the strength and conditioning world, right? Because there's so much ego and there's so much vying for attention and all of these things. And, you know, it's a very, very small pond with a lot of people trying to get in on it, right? Um, it's a tough area to make a living in just because it is so crowded. So what does that breed? That breeds a lot of competition, good, but it also breeds a lot of uh, backstabbing, bad, but even people who I might, you know, disagree with on 90% of what they have to say or their protocols or their approach, there's always tidbits that I can get from anybody and put those to use. Um, so I'm grateful for everybody in that space, even those who I, you know, run, to, you know, 180 degrees from because our approaches are totally different. But there is something that everybody can offer. Keith, is there anything then recently, whether it be in the fitness space or otherwise, that you've kind of even maybe recently done like a 180 on where you, you really have all of a sudden realized like, hey, no, maybe I can get something from that or I, I actually do like that idea. I really see the benefit behind it. 
Well, I can tell you the biggest shift that I've made, if we're, you know, in the strength and conditioning side of things, the biggest shift that I made in the last few years was the, uh, was the amount of volume I did in a workout, uh, personally, but personally. So I totally got it that when we created the efficient exercise system, that you could create a system to where your normal uh, doctor, attorney, um, entrepreneur, these people who were very, very busy, that we could put together a program that benefited them greatly, right? And it wasn't a volume intensive program, ergo it didn't take a whole lot of time to do. And I was like, yes, I can create that for this person, but me, nah, I'm the volume guy. Man, I wanna be in the gym every day, hitting it because that's, that's what I like to do. And I do like to do that. But I made the shift in the last few years and I thought about it, it's like, you know, am I physically is all that volume changing my body composition? Right. Is is that time investment worth it for me at this time? 20 years ago, I would have said totally. Yeah, I'm totally down with spending two hours a day in the gym, even more so on the field, especially when I was a competitive athlete. It was like, you know, load me up, you know, so that extra 10 hours a week spent to get a fraction of a of a bit of performance output. that was totally worth it to me at that time. It's not worth it to me now because I have other, other interests. And that took me a long time to figure out, am I doing this because I want performance or am I doing this? Why am I doing it? Why am I spending so long, so long in the gym? Well, it came down to, I like it. I just enjoy it. And so what that, what I figured out was that is really my meditation, right? I am not the guy that's going to sit on a mat in lotus position and do that. I get the benefit. I totally get it. I see the, I see physically the benefit in the people who can do that. And I admire it, but it's not me. I can, I have tried it. I've tried it. And, and it's just like my body has to move for me to be able to center and connect, um, which is another insight I got in a, in an ayahuasca ceremony. And I, I got that, you know, there was a twofold insight. It was number one, Yes, that is a path for some people. It's not your path. So don't force yourself into that path. It's not you. You have to find another way to do this. And that's cool. You don't, you know, to be happy and realized and all this, you don't have to go that route. The other part of it was, was the, the total uh, dissolving of the ego, which I went in and, you know, was like, okay, well, if the, if the ego is uh, tripping me up, then I need to totally get rid of it and dissolve it. And so I went down that path, and that kind of included the, trying to include the meditation path in this. And, and after a while, I was show, hey, man, <laughs> whoa. It's like you are not your, – your dharma is not to be the monk in the monastery and doing that. That's somebody else. You're trying to live somebody else's life. That's not right. You have to live your life. Your life is going to involve trying to figure out a way – to leverage this ego and let it come in whenever it's necessary and to back it off when it's not serving you. So you're going to have to find another way. Well, the, the result of all of this was I was like, okay, well, I am spending an inordinate amount of time in the gym, but am I really, is, you know, is my intensity through the roof through that whole time? No, I do have periods of very, very high intensity where my sole focus is on the physical output. But 90% of my training is, we could almost call it yoga with weights. I mean, it's just very, it's, it's lowish intensity. It looks kind of bodybuilding-like. 
it's, uh, but I am just totally somewhere else. I mean, that's my, that's my meditation time. And so I've come to terms with that. I'm like, okay, well that time is, you know, is that physical output? Yeah. Am I willing to give up those, uh, you know, an hour and a half, maybe stretch it to two hours of like very high intensity stuff, weight training, and then back off on the rest of it and have that be quote unquote meditation time. Yeah, I think that'll work for me. But that took me a while to come around to that. And on the vanity side of things, and I got to say it's vanity. Oh my God, my swole. Where's my swole going to go, right? (laughs) And guess what? It didn't go anywhere, right? I backed off on the, on all that intensity and I, I did fine. So yeah, so that was, uh, that's been my biggest mindset change. And so I guess the thing is you could say that I was able to actually take the medicine that I was prescribing. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Uh, Keith, a couple last things in closing. One of the first things or one of the last things, excuse me, that I always ask people to come on the show is who would you want to hear on this podcast? And what is it that you would either want to ask them specifically or just hear them talk about? Yeah, uh, so on the strength and conditioning side of things, I would say Andy Galpin would be fantastic. Andy, uh, Dr. Andy Galpin, I can't remember, he's out in California, and I want to say Fresno, but I may have that, I may have that wrong. But his whole area of study is hypertrophy. Uh, he's a very interesting guy, and uh, he's, he's been a PaleoFX speaker the last couple of years. Super interesting, and he is able to take, you know, like – He's my kind of guy, right? He's able to take these very uh, exotic scientific principles and bring them down to the to the everyday, right? So if we if, if we know this on the science side, okay, bro, what does that mean in the gym? Practically, what does that mean in the gym? And he's able to do that because he actually lifts, right? Yeah. So he's not just a, he's not just a lab coat. He actually spends time in the gym. So yeah, I think you should have him on. He's a fantastic guy and uh, oh. very very knowledgeable. And I, I know I've heard him speak before. And like you said, it's, he'll take, he'll start off talking. And sometimes I'm like, Whoa, I, I got to catch up to him. And then it's just yeah. by the end of it, you're like, Oh, well that that's simple. Like that's def- yeah. <laughs> definitely doable. So it, it always yeah. helps to have that point A to point B and everything in between. And it's, uh, it, it's interesting because at the end of the day, when you, when you, you know, jokingly pin him in the corner about what is, what is it that drives hypertrophy at the end of the day? He's like, you know, at the end of the day, we don't know. <laughs> Which we is know. an awesome answer sometimes, too. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, you know, it's like what we always know. It's a multiple of, of force, and it's a, a multiple of, of time, under, uh, time under tension, and, it's some, and it has to do individually. Too. So there's an individual genetic factor in all of that, so there's not one pat answer. Thus, his answer is, you know, we don't know. It's a mix of what we've always done forever. And until we can pinpoint it more than that, or until we can maybe get a genetic read on somebody and go, ah, you're the volume guy, or hey, volume is going to destroy you, you know, you're you're the you're the uh, strength guy, that kind of thing. And you know, we kind of see that play out over time, right? We see people who have been in the iron game or in sports for a while, and they start to go these different paths. And why do they go those different paths? Well, they're good at it, right? So the bodybuilder does a volume uh, type of routine and shows great results where somebody else does the same routine and there's nothing, right? But for some reason, due to his wiring, he's an Olympic lifting god, right? He might not have the ability to put on a lot of mass, but he can move a lot of mass, right? 
um, it would be cool to be able to, you know, be a, I think back to my track and field days of being an 11 year old quick genetic test, um, more than what we have now, because we do have the one marker, but that's kind of, in fact, my marker is that of an endurance athlete, which, <laughs> but maybe that's why the biking's coming on here for I, you. <laughs> and, and I do have the ability to, you know, do some endurance stuff, but it didn't slow me down from having a fantastic football career in a very explosive sport. So, um, you know, had I been given that information as a, as a child, I may have been a very unhappy, you know, 5k specialist and, and totally fallen out of sports. So yeah, anyway, uh, Andy Galpin is a fantastic guy and would be a great guest. Right on, right on. Well, Keith, in closing here, where can all the listeners find out more about you, more about paleo effects? I mean, theory to practice, like you have so many things here. Uh, where, where are some of the best places that they can learn more and uh, check out all that we've talked about today? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, on the paleo effects side of things, obviously www.paleofx.com. The, uh, the event is May 19th through the 21st in Austin, Texas. The Health Entrepreneurs FX event that I that I spoke of is Thursday prior, so that would be the 18th of May. Um, both of those events are just fantastic. Yeah, I'm biased, but man, it's a great time. It is, you know, 6,000 people who you will identify with immediately. Austin is a beautiful place in the spring. Um, like I said before, you probably don't want to be around in August or September. <laughs> there, there is a reason we hold this event in the spring. Yeah, and uh, personally, uh, Theory to Practice um, is my blog uh, at the unfortunate website of ancestralmomentum.com. There's a long story about that faux pas, but uh, but if you just Google Theory to Practice, I mean, it's, it's usually It'll come up, yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's just, uh, I, in Theory to Practice, I write about everything from entrepreneurship to strength and conditioning to ayahuasca journeys to, you know, it's just kind of a mishmash of whatever I'm thinking about at the moment. Yeah, so those are the, the two big places. If people are curious, they could go to efficientexercise.com. Um, those are the gyms that I co-own here in, uh, with Mark Alexander here in Austin. And a Something that people might be curious about is the ArxFit technology that uh, that we've worked on, um, and that's at arxfit.com. Um, that, by the way, really allows us to to truncate the workouts to a short period of time. Um, we probably don't have time to go into it here, but um, if there were a way for you to maximize your muscular force output throughout the full range of motion, both concentrically and eccentrically, we found a way to do it. And let me just say it's devastating. It doesn't take long for you to totally inroad, you know, whatever target muscle you're looking to inroad. Um, it's a blistering workout. I'll just, I'll just <laughs> say that. So, um, yeah, they could check that out as well. Well, excellent. Okay. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Make sure everybody, hey, theory to practice, paleo effects. I mean, all of these things, the arcs, the efficient exercise, all awesome, great stuff. Keith, again, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, Nick. It's good to connect. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, 
Go to my calendar and schedule a 15 minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free. So thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank you. Mm-hmm.